Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. And welcome to a surprise brand new edition of On to the Next One. We could not leave you hanging, my friends. This will be a, a little bit of a different show as this week on this bonus episode of Otno. We're going to give out our mid-year awards in our wonderful sport of mixed martial arts. I am Mike Heck, and joining me this week is the co-host, most of the time co-matchmaker, always the best friend, and indubitably the Prince of Positivity, Mr. Alex Kaylee. Hello, sir. How are you? Oh, yeah. We're best friends. Nothing's, nothing's changing that. It doesn't matter whether it's a re- regular edition of Otno, special special edition. Mike, we should clarify. This is a special edition. We said, anyone who listened to the last episode will know that we said we're getting very hyped up for our 50th episode. This is not it. This is not the 50th episode. That, that will be saved for the uh, mammoth UFC 264 show coming up. So this is a special edition. And before anyone jumps on us and goes like, well, you've had other special editions and those counters." Guess what? Shut up. All right. We make the <laughs> rules around here. We number the episodes however we want. This is a special edition. It's not part of the chronology, but uh, happy. But we're happy to be recording another episode for you guys. Always happy to be recording episodes for you. Yes. And if you want to attach a number to this, we're going to we're going to pull a pull something from the UFC's book of numbering. This oh. is episode 49 and a half. How about that? I love that. Yes. 49.5. Love it. There you go. But uh, AK and for everyone listening right now, what we're going to do is we're going to give out some hardware for the half year that was thus far in 2021 in MMA. And we're going to award our mid-year male and female fighters of the year, the fight of the year, the breakout fighter of the year, knockout of the year, submission of the year. And also we're going to reveal our stories to watch for the remainder of 2021. So uh, this should be a fun show, AK, right? Like I'm excited for this. I'm not making any guarantees that I can't legally promise. So optimistic yes this will be a great show but i don't want to be on record guaranteeing anything mike you know how people are these days well i have the uh the gusto i'm gonna say it's a fun show so let us begin ak with the male fighter of the year so far this to me was a pretty easy pick at this point but uh, i did want to get your thoughts first because something tells me we're probably on the same page here are we? I don't know. I think i went with a choice that i don't know if everyone would go with because i liked 
I, I'll give my runner-ups after. So I'll just say right away. I lean towards, for my pick, fight of the year, so far, half year. I'm going Nganu. I'm going Francis Nganu. I was really just happy to see him get finally get that heavyweight fight, live up to almost redeem, you know, sort of what should have happened. Uh, sorry, what the, what the UFC, I think, would have wanted to happen in the first fight. There was such a strong promotional push behind him. There was this time, too, but it was a little bit tempered, I think, just obviously based on how the first fight went. Um, so, uh, and, and it was, a, this, is, this is at Apex, right? Uh, yes, it was, it was. It was Apex. Yes, yeah, so that was the other thing. Is they, they couldn't really, there's not that same energy hyping up a fight when it's at Apex as opposed to, uh, you know, as opposed to being in front of a crowd. So, unfortunately, that part of it was a bit muted. But for me, I was as interested in that narrative ever as ever of him clearly being the number two heavyweight for you know 2020 or, or ever, you know, ever since that first fight, just demolishing the competition, getting his opportunity, and and again not just having a spectacular finish, but you watch that fight and you see you saw how improved he was. Uh, I, I think that you know they might they may fight again someday, and I think Ngannou will be an even heavier favorite than he was in their first two meetings. And again, you watch that fight, you'll know why. It was a complete performance. He looks like a superstar heavyweight. This aftermath that we've got so far, unfortunately, not as inspiring. But we're just talking about the first half of the year, not what just happened and not what's uh, going to happen soon. So I'm going to go with Ngannou. I'll give my, my runners up in a, in a second. All right. Um, oh, okay. I'm, I'm surprised by this. I thought this was, at least in my eyes, this is a no-brainer. It's Kamara Usman, the guy who came into 2021 in a... In a lot of people's minds, AK is the boring wrestler, quote unquote, the guy that's not that exciting. And he goes out there and has two huge performances, two ultra violent finishes, most notably knocking Jorge Mazadal unconscious at UFC 261. He battled back from some adversity in the Gilbert Burns TKO win a couple months prior, with you know obviously a lot on his mind heading into that fight, taking on a friend and a former teammate. You could, we, we, a lot of people don't put in perspective like what that meant for for both of those guys. And right now, in my mind, and a lot of others, I'm sure, I think he's currently the best fighter on planet Earth, pound for pound. I, I hope they make the rematch with Colby because those, in my opinion, are the two best welterweights in the world. So yes, thus far, in the year of our Lord, 2021, Kamar Usman is the fighter of the year. 2-0, two finishes. Sky's the limit for this man at this point. Uh, yeah, Mike, Usman... Obviously, my very, very close runner-up, he was, he would have been my second choice. Uh, so the only, if I'm going to make a difference between the two, it's that I didn't care for the uh, Masvidal rematch. I just didn't want to see that fight rebooked. The result was spectacular. Uh, I will be giving Usman uh, some more flowers later, as the kids say. So a little bit of a spoiler there. But uh, yes, we're not done talking about Usman. I just, I just didn't care for the um, for the Masvidal fight. He is one of obviously the only UFC champion to get two wins in, in 2021, which is why I think uh, you said he's an obvious choice. But I was a lot more invested uh, in the Nganu Miocic rematch. That that to me was this coronation that I needed to see. Uh, seeing Masvidal get knocked out by Usman, I mean that's a bonus. That was cool. Uh, but he'd already beaten him. I just, uh, it, I know the first fight was forgettable, but I, I just didn't care care that much about the rematch until uh, until it actually happened and, and we had that great finish. So I leaned towards I leaned towards Ngannou. And uh, my other two runner ups would be, of course, uh, Brandon Moreno. Just such su- such a feel good story. And uh, Jan Blahovitz. I think Jan Blahovitz. I know you know it, it was a good. I know it wasn't a, the most exciting fight, but it was a good fight. I, I would hope it's a fight people look back on and, and look at it. It was a good fight uh, with with Israel uh, Adesanya. And uh, and look, he stopped a, a guy from becoming a two division champion. One another another pound for pound guy. So, uh, yeah, Blahovitz as always. Were, I, I I'm always overlooking him. 
I didn't want to overlook him this time. Uh, definitely a strong contender for uh, you could definitely make a case for him as having had the best win uh, of these UFC champions in the first uh, first half. But um, yeah, I just went with a little bit, you know, the guys who finished and kind of had just slightly more spectacular uh, performances. Yeah, Blahovich was actually my number two, believe it or mm. not. Um, okay. And Ghana was number three and number four is the gentleman that has already won two awards in my eyes. So. I will leave that until later on. So uh, let us head to the female fighter of the year. And I know she's only had one fight. And I know it only lasted a minute and 18 seconds. But she regained the strawweight title against Zhang Wei Li in emphatic fashion. You know, the the build to that. Everything in the corner while she's getting introduced by Bruce Buffer. I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm the best. To me, at this moment in 2021, the female fighter of the year is Rose Namajunas, AK. What say you? I'm going to sound like so this is I'm going to sound like a hypocrite here because now I'm going away from sort of what was the cool narrative. I agree. Uh, the Namajuna story has a bunch of had a bunch of cool narrative hooks. Great. Amazing finish uh, against uh, an unbeaten champion. So, I mean, that's pretty. Zhang Wili was unbeaten, right? Or she had one loss. Uh, she had one Either loss. Way. One loss. Right. One loss. Either way, someone on an insane, insane win streak. Uh, so that that was all there, but I'm still I cannot go away from uh, arguably the pound for pound best female fighter in the world, maybe not, number two at worst, uh, Valentina Shevchenko, because there there was this whole thing about how Jessica Andrade was going to be the serious threat to her, and she just just dominated her, just smoked her, and and it's just such a joy uh, watching Valentina every time. I know there's been some <laughs> a couple of boring title defenses in there, not her fault. Not her fault. What's she supposed to do? Uh, so yeah, for, it's the, for me, the continued dominance of Shevchenko makes her uh, made her my my pick for the first half. But uh, uh, Namjunas would have been my my runner up number yeah. two. Yeah, that's it's it, those are one A and one B. I think in everybody's minds right now. I I do feel strongly also about uh, Liz Carmouche. I think she's had off to an amazing start in Bellator. Has comp- really cemented herself. As the uh, as the number one uh, contender, some would say the number one flyweight. Period. Obviously, she has to fight uh, Juliana Velasquez now. But I know uh, I know that some of us in our in our uh, MMA fighting think she's kind of already the number one one twenty five. So we'll see. She'll get to prove it. And uh, Carlos Barza. I, I thought the win over Yan Shanan very important. Um, I know she she was not a heavy favorite in that fight by any stretch. I, I don't. I'm some people are picking her for sure. But uh, Yan Shanan uh, again. Uh, so crazy, crazy streak of success, and just uh, handled, just handled by Esparza. So yeah, some good, some good candidates. Yep, I would agree with that. Uh, let us head to the fight of the year thus far, AK, because now things get a little more interesting. Because there are certainly a lot of different great fights to choose from. There's been some freaking barn burners across the MMA landscape over the the first six months of action. What is your fight of the year thus far? This fight, uh, you know, normally a, a lot of people like to see fight of the years. Either you know go into like the last round or go the distance, but I'm gonna go with uh, Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler. I love this fight so much. It was a barely over a round of action, but it was just so friggin' exciting. It was like Chandler was just you know he's hurting Oliveira in the first round. He he almost looked like he was gonna finish him, and it was, and we just had this moment of oh Charles Oliveira. He gets hit. He gets he's he's chinny. Here we go again. He's fought. He's won all these fights just to get knocked out by a guy who's in his second UFC fight and just take all his shine. And he battled back. He proved everyone wrong. He's he, he's he proved that he could battle back from adversity and amazing finish, uh, amazing win in the second round. And for me, uh, I just think he's the best lightweight in the world. That's uh, that, that's certainly debatable. Very very debatable. 
but I thought uh, that win and his other his other victories is piled up, and I'm I'm just so big on Dobronk. So that was uh, that was number one for me. Yeah, like I said before, there have been some doozies. Uh, runners up for me: Mike Davis versus Mason Jones, Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Miguel Baeza, Paul Daly versus Saba Hamasi, and then my number two, obviously, even with the round. You know, in the in the change of Michael Chandler versus Charles Oliveira, like how, the comeback and everything, that that was in the running. But to me, it's got to be one that lasted just a little bit longer than that fight. Uh, the near two rounds of a grade A, hundred percent guaranteed insanity of a fight between Yuri Prohashka and Dominic Reyes. I mean, oh. that fight was so insane, so wild. The ending was one of the craziest endings I've ever seen. That whole fight was ridiculous. Uh, so to me, thus far, the fight of the year, and I think it's going to take something really special to beat it, Prahashka versus Reyes, the main event of UFC Vegas 25 in May of 2021. With the way you were describing it, I thought you were teeing up uh, Paul Daly, Saba Homasi, from uh, Bellator 257, uh, April 16th, which was just a completely insane fight. Uh, I, I think a lot of people uh, will have that as well, probably in their top three, maybe their fight of the year so far. Uh, again, I know Bellator tends to get overlooked when we're we're encounter, you know comparing it to some UFC stuff. But if anyone has not seen the Daily Hamasi fight, at least find the highlights of it. This was just like knocked both guys scoring knockdowns, uh, Daily scoring getting the final blow and, and with an amazing knockout. And this happened almost ten almost ten years to the day, Mike, after uh, Diaz uh, Nick Diaz and Paul Daly. So it was it was this weird symmetry as well. Uh, and that, of course, was one of the great back and forth fights of all time. Uh, but it was so this was like that was April 9th, 2010 or 2011. This was April 16th, uh, 2021. So some cool, so a little bit of a cool uh, connection there. And uh, one I didn't want people to forget was uh, uh, Mike Davis and Mason Jones from uh, Fight Island. Fight Island 8. Because it happened in January. I have a feeling that no one's going to be talking about it at the end of the year. Just a, and just a really great high-level lightweight fight. I mean, just just nonstop action. That was so good. So yeah. Uh, so those, those are my, my runners-up. Yep, that was definitely on my, my runner-up list as well. Uh, let us head to the knockout of the year, my best friend. And I don't want to be the unoriginal boring guy here, but since he was already coming up to the virtual podium to collect his award uh, for midway through the year, fight of the year, I'm just going to keep Yuri Prohashka up on the stage oh. to collect his knockout of the year trophy as well because that spinning back elbow finish on oh. Dominic Reyes, I actually thought he killed Sick. him. I thought he killed the man, and that was just unbelievable. Kamara Usman, of course, a close second for KO of the year in my mind to Jorge Mazadal, obviously Corey Sanhagen's flying knees in the running too, but right now it is Prahashka and this was one of the easier picks for me. What do you say? I mean, if we're being objective, uh, uh, the Prahashka would be up there. I think San, the Sanhagen would probably be number one. Uh, unfortunately, I'm a huge, people know, I'm a huge Frankie Edgar stan. Uh, I don't know how many highlight reel knockouts of Frankie Edgar I can I can live with anymore. Uh, the Brian Ortega KO was uh, uppercut, was just traumatizing. This knee was beautiful by Corey Sandhagen, perfectly timed. Uh, Edgar is so tough. I know I said he's gotten knocked out a few times recently, but he's really tough to knock out. So for him to get just straight, I mean, that was scary. Right, same with the Prohaska thing. Like when it happened, you thought like, holy crap, this guy is uh, like Edgar. I don't know how badly hurt he is, right? And uh, thank goodness, again, he's, he's tough as nails and, and seems to be all right. But uh, but that my number one actually like I said, I, I, I didn't give Usman my fighter of the year. I actually thought Usman's KO. 
it's the visual helps a lot. The the whatever sweat or water that had been poured all over Masvidal's head, so that you know when he hits him, it just says water spritzing everywhere. It's such a cool visual, and um and again the pre-fight hype with Masvidal saying he couldn't he couldn't has has no knockout power. He's a soft puncher. It just made it that much sweeter. So, uh, so that would have been up there. And I want to give one shout out to uh, Larissa Pacheco. And this is probably recency bias. This just happened last week. Her knockout of uh, Olena Kolesnik was, was was hilarious. Straight up brawl between the two, and Pacheco just cracks her right, like the cleanest right hand you'll ever see in your life, and knocks her out. So hopefully that one doesn't get forgotten uh, six months from now. Yeah, a lot of great choices as we head to the submission of the year, Mr. A.K. Lee. There, there are a lot of strong candidates for this mm-hmm. one, but there hasn't been. Normally it's like that out of nowhere, like very rare submission that, that sort of gets it, but there's been sort of an eclectic collection of just really good submissions and really top spots so after six full months who in your opinion has delivered the best submission of 2021 oh i'm going outside the box i'm going outside the box i'm doing a move that our our producer extraordinaire ekc lion would not approve of mike because you know he's big on sort of level of competition matters like kind of the promotion you're fighting in matters but this uh submission was so bizarre uh, and it happened again. I don't want people to forget about it. So uh, I just retweeted this early, uh, on on Thursday. So if people want to check my feed, you can find it. But if not, uh, Mateos Santos uh, submitted Alexander Volodin at this uh, Open Fighting Championship Two event. I think this is in Moscow. This is in February twentieth. Uh, so you can again, you guys can look that up. You can Google Misfits Mateos Santos. It's in there. He's he's fighting off an, a face down armbar. But it's not it's not it's not close to being in and and uh, his opponent kind of makes his has his arm his leg over the back of his neck and Santos pulls down on the guy's leg turning into a toe hold bending the toe, bending the the ankle and toe and leg around his own neck and it's so tight that that the guy going for the armbar taps out it's it was really amazing I, uh, and I get it it didn't happen at the UFC level. This kind of weird stuff happens in the regional and international scene all the time. But this, to me, really, really, really stood out. So I would tell people to uh, find that. Again, you can look up Miss Fiss, Mateo Santos, or Santos Volodin submission. Look it up. Again, it's in my feed. It is. Uh, it was disturbing and maybe the craziest submission I've seen this year, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that one actually made my short list. Um, Ugh. This was probably the toughest one for me, if we're being honest. I actually had to like dig pretty deep for this one to actually get one and be like, yep, that's the one. Because yours was a really good one. Yours was like a sneaky pick that I could have gone with because I didn't know if you were going to go with that. But thinking deep down, I kind of knew you were going to go with that. <laughs> My heart. Too well, yes. this is what happens with best friends. I can't even surprise you anymore. I know. My heart was with Brandon Moreno submitting mm-hmm. Davis at Figueredo and what a moment that was for him to become a champion. So I really wanted to pick that one. However, I went with a different selection. I went with a submission that took place in February at UFC 258, a massive upset against a multi-time ADCC world champion. Nobody thought this could ever happen, but it did. I am going with... Anthony Fluffy Hernandez, A.K., the Armin guillotine against oh. Hadolfo Vieira. Such a crazy fight. It was a breakout moment for Hernandez. And what I loved about this submission so much is that it was one of those submissions that he locked in and his coaches, the crowd, and every single other person watching the fight was like, no, don't do it, Anthony. What are you doing? But then he got the tap and the fight was stopped and he looked like such a G. 
in that moment. So Fluffy Hernandez gets the nod in my eyes, AK. So far, submission of the year. The, I can't remember what the odds for like Hernandez by submission were. It was some, had to be something like minus like 30,000. I'm oh, sorry, plus 30,000. <laughs> Maybe not that high. But uh, I, I do remember it's just, just the most insane, unlikely outcome. I mean, and now if you watch the fight again, I guess people are like, well, obviously, uh, Vieta gassed himself out. But still, uh, early on, the fight went to the ground. So it's not like it, it was it was later in the fight that they just went to the ground. He went to the fight early. Somehow, Fluffy survives and then, yes, outlasts him and gets his own submission, which I would not have predicted. If I had written that into my predictions for that card, I would have been fired. I would have been fired if I had predicted her. You you would have lost your job. You would have had the comments would have been filled with like I get I'm wrong enough all the time as it is. But at least I'm like reasonably wrong. That would have just been like people rightfully calling me out for being insane. Uh, so that was yes, that was amazing. Uh, I, I, for me, the UFC, I, I, you, when you I was thinking of uh, Muniz, Andre Muniz and Jacare, though, not quite honestly, not quite as unbelievable these days. Muniz is an amazing grappler. And uh, Jacare, of course, is, you know, a, a little bit older now. Maybe has just lost a step. So that wasn't, you're right, that wasn't quite as mind-blowing as Fluffy and, and Veda. Because, <laughs> yeah, Veda is a, right now is a killer. But, uh, yeah, so, so along those same lines. Yeah, that one. I mean, Niz is obviously up there. Uh, Paul Craig is obviously up there. Um, so, yeah, some some really good submissions. Did you did you throw in your, uh, did, did I miss, did you throw in your honorable mentions, so to speak? Uh, that was it. That that would be. Oh yeah. That, okay. That, okay. That and uh, and uh, uh, fluffy would have been my my honorable mentions. Okay. Let's head to the always contentious breakout fighter of the year because mm. I was part of the panel for the year end awards in 2020 oh, for the first time. Oh gosh. And I was given the uh, the role <laughs> of writing the article for the breakout fighter of the year, which went to Hamzat Shemaev over Kevin Holland and people just erupted they were not happy that this is the pick some people thought like this is my just my selection um i had gone with kevin holland but it this award is so crazy because it can be construed in so many different ways like it could be an unknown who is now known it could mean someone who is slightly known living up to their potential it could be somebody that you know, was known and then became a superstar. There's like a number of different ways to define breakout fighter of the year. So I wanted to, AK, give this award to Katag Pliev right off the bat because he's the guy, nobody knew who this man was. He fights, loses, almost loses a finger in the process, and then he became this like iconic figure for MMA, like, this guy lost a finger and still kept on fighting, and then it gets overturned to a no contest. So the loss isn't even on his record anymore, which is awesome. I wanted to give it to him because that is the definition of breakout fighter of the year. But I'm going with Brandon. Thanks Moreno. for reminding me, by the way. Yes, I'm sorry. Go- sorry to interrupt. Thanks for thanks for reminding me, Mike. I I forgot about that horrific injury. Yes, and sorry, then I'm he sorry, did. But, and then sorry. what's great about Pliev is like he literally has surgery to get his finger like fully oh reattached, God. and then like as soon as he leaves the hospital, he opts in the car and does an interview with me. So good God. That guy is start. definitely on the list. He's on the list. Yes. But I'm going with Brandon Moreno. And this is a more selfish pick because those who know me know that I've been an individual that has seen the star potential in Brandon Moreno for years now. Long, long time. And I've said this before on other shows. He is my favorite interview in the sport right now. And it's not even close. Like, you give me Brandon Moreno, the option of Brandon Moreno against pretty much anybody to interview, and I'm picking Moreno every single time. And 
Now everybody is starting to see what I've been seeing for so long and just how great he is, his personality. And on top of that, he's just one of the good guys in the sport and a very exciting fighter to boot. So to me, it's the flyweight champion of the world, Brandon Moreno. He is the breakout fighter of 2021 thus far because not a lot of, I mean, he got a little buzz from the fight of the year with Figueredo in December, but to see him go in there and have his moment, a lot of people counted him out in that fight. They still thought Figueredo, even though, you know, he lost the point. They felt like Figueredo actually won that fight, that this would be the same kind of performance and Moreno wouldn't be able to make the the proper adjustments in, in six months or so. Moreno proved everybody wrong, gets the biggest win of his career, and now I think he's maybe not sitting at the big big boy table yet, but he's at least he's at least waiting for a table, if you will. He's at least at the at the podium. He's on the wait list, so to speak. So that's my pick. What is yours? It's he's not my breakup, but that has to be the feel good story in MMA. Of I, there's a bit, there's been a bunch of good stories. Actually, in the, my breakout choice probably is one of them. But I do want to muse you right on Moreno a little bit. As you said, anyone has interviewed him, the guy is a ray of light. He was. I think people forget how quickly he became a fan favorite in his first run with the UFC. I remember his first few fights after um, you know he kind of flamed down the Ultimate Fighter. First, he had the unique distinction of fighting before the season was over. I don't even remember that. He was on the Olympic Fighter, and just because of kind of like a scheduling quirk, they needed a, they needed him to, to, to step in to take a fight. And his season at the Olympic Fighter was still airing that he had already been eliminated from. So it was very strange. He fought before that final happened. So that was strange. And just his energy, his fighting style was um, apparent right away. I mean, people just uh, got attached to him. He, you know, a little, maybe a little too much too soon. Some of the fights against, uh, was Sergio Pettis, I think, was the one that, uh, was that Mexico City? Yes. Yeah. You know, a, a more experienced guy. Great fighter, a more experienced guy. No shame in losing to him. And then uh, he was a, a victim of the numbers game. The UFC kind of wasn't sure what they were doing with the flyweight division. Uh, when he got cut, I remember it was really surprising. And I, I do remember there being some fan backlash to it. So, and, 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 as much, and then a very positive reaction when he was brought back. And he he said all the right things about being Brandon Moreno 2.0. We saw it. That's probably why he's not my breakout. My breakout is because I guess I feel like he's broken out before. Um, but for him to really finally reach that mountaintop was just just and his emotion after it was it was exactly what you would expect if a guy like him ever won a world title. And, and I don't know if we'll we'll get that feeling again anytime soon. But it was wonderful. Uh, my breakout fighter again recency bias. I gotta go with Terrence McKinney. Uh, Terrence McKinney, uh, a guy, of course, you've interviewed on, on What the Heck and, and has shared his story with a bunch of people. There's a lot of layers to this. I mean, first, his background where he's, uh, uh, you know, had dealt with uh, – oh, I shouldn't even say – I shouldn't say dealt with substance abuse, but had used drugs in the past and had one particularly bad trip where he almost died and he says was very lucky that he was not shot by police. Uh, it's just very scary, scary moment for him uh, to even look back on and talk about publicly. So that that alone is an incredible thing, a brave thing for him to do. 2021, uh, I don't know if people know this. He's four and zero right now in 2021. He has fought he has fought four times. Uh, he's he's I'm just looking at his record now. He fought in March and got a 16 second stoppage. Then fought six weeks later, uh, seven weeks later, to say uh, uh, at LFA. And won in 17 seconds with a head kick, and then fought again about six weeks later uh, at another LFA show, and he won by in 72 second by 72 second knockout, and then gets the call to turn around on eight days to fight Matt Frivola, a very good UFC fighter, at UFC 263, 
and wins in seven seconds. Seven seconds. And then blesses us all with a, with a meme that will last forever as he as he uh, tries to climb the cage, thinks thinks twice of it, and then hurts himself coming back down. So uh, I don't know if we've got an update on his injury. Hopefully it's nothing serious, and we do see him before the end of the year. But uh, Terrence McKinney, even if we don't, sir, you are an inspiration. I think someone who will be a fan-favorite fighter. I don't care if he becomes a world title contender or not. This is a guy who I think is just going to be very, very well-liked for as long, as long as he's with the UFC. Uh, that's my breakout boy. Uh, good, good for you, Terrence. Hopefully you're okay. And man, what a, what a USA debut and what a first six months of the year for this guy. Yeah, that is, that is a great pick right there. Um, and I, I haven't gotten like official word on this, but he, Terrence posted something on social media saying like, anyone keeps asking about my knee and he, he was like dancing around and doing whatever oh. the kids do and seems to be okay. So yeah, that's a great pick. That's a really good pick right there. Uh, let us discuss. The story to watch for the rest of the year, my best friend. Oh, there's six more months. 2021 isn't over. Yes. There are a number of them to choose from. But what do you have your your futuristic eye on as we have veered into the second half of 2021? I... I want to focus on something positive, I think. Uh, what I think will, will uh, be sort of a story with a positive outcome. Uh, and it's a bit broad. I, I'm really just interested in what's going to happen with the bantamweight division. Because, Mike, this is kind of our favorite division, I think, right now, going on right now. I've hyped it up a lot. There is some uncertainty, okay? Uh, we, we, we have some good matchups coming up. We should have an Aljamain Sterling-Piotr-Yan rematch, but that has not been announced. That has not been signed. We don't know when that's coming. Uh, TJ Dillashaw is potentially about to reinsert himself into the championship picture. I, I, a lot of people are saying, look, if he beats Corey Sanhagen, he might even jump Jan. I mean, it might be Dillashaw Sterling, which seems absurd, but that's certainly something that has to be considered. Same with Sanhagen. I, I would hope Sanhagen gets the same opportunity um, should he beat Dillashaw, but we don't know. We don't know. We don't know what their the matchmakers sort of their pecking order is right now. Their internal pecking order. Then you have guys like Aldo, Cruz, Edgar in the mix. Not necessarily for title shots, but just like guys. We'd love to see fight each other. I'd love to see any combination of those three guys fight each other. That is a dream. So hopefully one of those materializes before the end of the year. I'd love that. Cody Garbrandt, former champion. We don't know. Is he going down to 125? Is he going to stick around and, and, and take another crack at 135? It's it, it's hard to say. Uh, will there be an interim title introduced at some point? They're, they're the new. They're, they're the hotness for the UFC. Look, uh, clearly, they'll drop an interim title at the drop of a hat. Uh, and, and after what happened with Sterling and Jan, I, I don't think they'd hesitate to do it at all. And then you got all these contenders, Murad Valashvili, Kyler Phillips, Song Yadong, uh, Casey Kenny, Ricky Simone, Sean O'Malley, Timur Valiev, Barcelos. This, this picture is so exciting. And so my, I guess my storyline is I hope we have some clarity at 135 before the end of the year because it's not guaranteed. I hate to say it, it's not guaranteed. We could end up with Jan Sterling getting pushed to 2022. We could end up with an interim champion uh, heading into the, into next year. Uh, and all of those are really, I would call, suboptimal um, outcomes. So my thing is keep an eye on everything that's going on in the bantamweight division. That is the story uh, most interesting to me as we as we go into second half here. Well, as of like five days ago, this was not going to be my answer, but it is now. It is the heavyweight championship picture in the UFC with this interim title fight between Derek Lewis and Cyril Ghosn now on the books for August 7th. I want to know what this means, AK. If this means what I hope it means, deep down in my heart, we will all breathe an emphatic sigh of relief because this would all just be a a speed bump on the road to the fight that everybody truly wants. 
and that's Francis Ngannou versus John Jones. So my initial reaction to this news, like everybody else, was, of course, what the hell is this? But you know me well enough to know. I have a silver lining side, and it's a big one. It's a big part of who I am as a human being. It got the juices flowing for Ngannou Jones being booked for later on this year. Could I be setting myself up for a major letdown? Possibly. But I'm not overly emotionally invested in these storylines. It's just the bright side that I tend to look at on a very consistent basis. And I know that it's a difficult line to toe when talking about Dana White and talking about the UFC. But color me optimistic, AK. I am a believer this is the road we're heading to. And if not, the answer remains the same. The heavyweight championship picture. Where does this lead Francis Ngannou towards? What happens with the Francis's relationship with the UFC? What happens with John Jones? What goes in the aftermath with this interim title fight? All of it. The heavyweight division, for some reason, and I never thought I would say this, at least since the last few years of this division, the heavyweight division in the UFC is my story to watch for the rest of the year, AK. This is crazy. I'll never tell you not to be optimistic, Mike. I'll tell you, you, you to, on this episode, you are the prince of positivity. You, I will give you the crown for this episode because I could not discuss the heavyweight title picture with any, any, you know, high level of optimism. I just can't do it. But, but I, but I, I agree. Let's hope. Let's look at the other side of this. Let's hope that this means, you know, just because we got this one, that because we got this interim title fight, and those two men, you know, Gon and Lewis, are now booked. It somewhat clears the path for the mega fight that we're all really, really looking for. So, Mike, I like where you're coming from. I think I agree. I, I think that's the one people will be talking about the most. It's that or celebrity boxing. But guys, don't worry. We'll you'll have plenty of that from us at MMA fighting. We don't need to talk about that now. <laughs> I'm sure many, many BTL onto the next ones will uh, mention uh, celebrity boxing and the two brothers who do not need to be named. Uh, so, yes, I, I think we're right. I think it's these UFC divisions need to be sorted. I would agree. And with that, we officially put a bow on this bonus episode of On to the Next One. A little bit shorter than you're, than you're used to. But uh, listen, we got no matchmaking questions. We got no listener suggestions. This is just us hitting record and shooting the breeze and, and providing you with something on this long holiday weekend, especially for everybody in the United States. So with that, the bow is put on. Join us again next week as we bring you the official 50th episode of the program where we match make for the notable names coming out of UFC 264, which includes both Dustin Poirier and one Conor McGregor. So in the meantime and in between time, let us know your thoughts on our selections on the Twitter. AK is at Alexander K. Lee. I'm at Mike Heck underscore JR. And always remember, don't take this stuff too seriously. MMA is supposed to be fun and we're going to have a lot of fun next week right here on the special 50th edition of On to the Next One the podcast you're listening to the vox media podcast network